Hey everyone, welcome to Detoxicity, uh, the podcast that kicks the shit out of the patriarchy. Whether this is your first time checking this podcast out or you're a regular listener, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to this crazy, crazy world that we're living in. I hope that in all of this, you and yours are safe, sane, and healthy. Detoxicity is available on just about every podcast platform, and I hope that however you listen, you take a minute to subscribe and drop a rating and or a comment. If you feel the need to check me out on social media, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at It's Mike Joseph or on Twitter at Tis Mike Joseph. Uh, there is a Detox Pod newsletter. You can find the link to sign up at tinyurl.com slash detoxpod. What's more, you can even email me at detoxpod at gmail.com. Feel free to drop a line, make suggestions, provide constructive criticism, and don't hesitate to reach out if you want to be on the podcast or you know somebody who would be a good fit. So this episode is a meeting of the podcasting minds. I am joined by Stephen LaFond, who co-hosts a podcast called Whichever Path with his partner Jazz. The Whichever Path podcast is a horror-based anthology series in which the listener gets to choose how the story goes. Our conversation begins by discussing how the podcast came to be and continues into Stephen's difficult childhood, which included two years of being a ward of the state. We also discuss a series of onlys, such as being a politically progressive person in a red state and being the only white person in his household. Detox listeners, give it up for Stephen LaFond. Hi, I'm Stephen LaFond. I'm one half of the creative duo between for the interactive fiction podcast, Whichever Path, which is a diverse and inclusive horror anthology series where our audience gets to vote on how the story is going to go. Wow. So podcaster meet podcaster. Mm-hmm. Very nice there. That's a little Nietzsche. Like uh, what made you decide to, to do a horror, uh, like a, combination between like a horror podcast and a choose your own adventure podcast well that's a great question we did it the two of us uh, my partner jass and i we met in sort of the sort of storytelling and performance realm let's get actually less pretentious with the way that i put it i met them (laughs) larping i met them live action role playing totally fine they were one of the you know you know like we, we we met over a fire and then we met for real cleaning up and then a friendship started. And then as time passed, not only did we start dating, but we, but, but we both have been creating stories for a long time. And I always used to love choose your own adventure as a kid. And we both liked horror, but of course, you know, we, we also wanted to see people like ourselves in stories that were genre stories as opposed to literary fiction. Okay. And about, I would say the end of, tw- uh, about the middle of 2018, we were coming up with podcast ideas and I had said, you know, I think it would be really fun to, in the mold of some of these really great shows out there, let's try something way different and let's, let's pull people who normally wouldn't think that they would be listening to horror or listening to even uh, we're, sometimes we're not even that scary. We're just macabre, but listen to these supernatural tales where there are queer trans, you know, black folk, like, like people from like the Latinx diaspora in Hartford. And let's tell the stories of new England people in their setting, in their actual communities that no one ever hears about because when they think, spooky shit in in new england they think stephen king sure right 
And so instead, and I think that this is actually, uh, I don't know if you ever met her around town, like, like when, when you were local up here, but she, she's in New York now, Obehi Janice. She's like mm-hmm. one of, she, she's an amazing actress, but she is a phenomenal playwright and writer. And she actually wrote a bunch of killer episodes for the Stephen King show on Hulu, Castle Rock. All right. They're, 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 they're amazing. And she's always been someone who's inspired me. And so Jas and I came up with a few concepts and these stories, they come out, they're anthologies, they're set. They could end very quickly if everybody votes in a very, you know, like nihilistic way. Sure. Or they can go on really long. And we just wrapped up our second season last week. So the response has been great. You know, we're just trying to do something good. I mean, you, what you do with, with, with the talk medium is amazing. I couldn't, I, I couldn't do it the same way, but I can tell a story and I can try to drag people into voice acting that have normally never done it and hopefully get people to listen to our stuff that normally wouldn't even read anymore. Sure. And get them to start listening to other podcasts, whether they're nonfiction or whatever, because we love to geek out about stuff that's nothing like us and like promote it like crazy. So what got you into horror? Is that like, was that always like a passion of yours or? Mm. I I think that what got me into horror was growing up. The world was frightening. It still is. Yeah, it still is. And (laughs) one of the things, I don't know, there's a, there's a Clive Barker movie called, uh, that was based on a Clive Barker book and it's called Nightbreed. And Nightbreed for, a younger queer kid in Hooksit, New Hampshire, who everyone already knew was off at, at the moment of like age six. I got to see that movie very early and it left an impression on me because through characterization, we learned that the true monstrous people out there aren't the ones who are looking different or feel different or could turn to smoke if you want to get literal. But the people pulling on the strings of a systemic status quo that's meant to bludgeon to death anything that, that that strays. And because I had had similar experiences to a lesser extent, it it related to me. And so sometimes with horror, like I, I'm not going to say like in like a creepy psychopathic way that, oh, like the slasher killers. No, that doesn't respond to me. Okay. But the characterization sometimes of the unknown as a more three-dimensional person than some of the stock other things. Like I loved the idea of taking spooky shit and throwing it on its head. I think I loved Frankenstein for that reason was, you know, I saw the movies when I was a little kid and I was like, okay, he's just, he's, Oh, he's crazy. And he's like beating people to death. But then when you read the book, he's like, all I wanted was love. Right. All I wanted was acceptance. And not only did my creator reject me to my face, but has but the world repeatedly rejects me and i and i think that even when i started writing fiction like later on and getting it published it was mainly you know literary fiction it was about you know real people making big mistakes and paying for them or not and then suddenly i think maybe in this day and age i feel that characterization and for people to really like react to the truth of some sort of human message sometimes having that element uh, like that's a little bit magical or a little bit frightening can kind of drag people into being invested in in the human element to it 
Sure. And, you know, my partner thinks the same thing. And so between the two of us, we keep finding these ways to pull people into, you know, this kind of world where it's not morally relative, but it makes you rethink the consequences of, of a lot of, of a lot of actions that we all take. Is that something that is getting reported back to you as you go through these stories? Are people communicating this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been, uh, I, I think one of the, biggest um, compliments we have is we we have a character that actually normally they're they're all standalone stories but in the last storyline we had a recurring character who is of jamaican descent who she went through hell almost quite literally (laughs) in our our second storyline and she returned and one of the sweetest things we had gotten was a bunch of feedback reviews from this one woman who then went through and reviewed all of our podcasts, like every episode. Wow. And she was, her biggest thing was she was tweeting about it. Her name's MJ and she runs this really cool psychic story called, or, you know, where, where, where it's kind of like the Oracle of Delphi in modern times. Okay. And it's so dope. I love it so much. (laughs) I'll, I'll send you a link. Yeah. But, but what I love, but, but she said that, that Michaela meant so much to her because she was everything in a woman of color that she probably needed when she was a teenager because she, she's, she's, she's like, she's of Asian descent, but also she's never seen herself in anything. And then out comes this smart, capable, you know, woman of color, like this black woman who, who finds a way to turn mysticism on its head and change the game and in, in, in one story, you know, save someone dear to her and in another one, be able to help other people in a similar situation. And we kept hearing that like from other people, like we've had ace characters, we've had, you know, gay, gay folk, we've had, we, we, and, and the representation, we get the people who actually are our actors, like, and we work with them with their dialogue too, but we get the actors of color. We get, we, we, we get, we get people on the LGBTQ spectrum, you know, we're in it, but we're also not all of those things. Sure. So, so as our show grow, grew, I almost said grow. That's funny. <laughs> uh, as our show, as our show grew, so did the interest and the casting. So then we were able to suddenly tell stories with people who, you know, honestly, you don't get their perspective or if you do, maybe it's extra, you know, it's extra like me, it's extra pale, <laughs> like, right. you know, it's a, it's a, it's a blue eyed guy's words coming through in his experience, but through, through an actor of color. And I think sure. that that's, I think that's a little rough, you know? And so we have people read, they talk about authenticity, they get to play with stuff and, and together we all tell the story. And then with our audience, who's often made up of the people that we're telling stories about, they are also guiding the story based on how they feel and their, and their presence. And, and that has been, uh, revelatory, really. I mean, like to me, because people have a hand in it. I do think that sometimes people will take safer choices because they're invested to make sure that, you know, someone like them wins. Yes. But, 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 but at the same time, there are very human choices. We give very weird cryptic choices based on how you would morally react to something. We don't just go, do you shoot a guy or do you let him live? We sure. actually are like, you know, how do you feel about X or Y? And then people decide what they think the character would do and live with the consequences, I guess. You know, one thing that's striking to me 
is you talk about a genre like horror and you talk about fiction writing in general. And it's amazing to me now that I actually sit and think about it, how many, or rather how few of the characters represent walks of life that are not straight, white, cis, mm-hmm. male, or, you know, to a lesser extent, female. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and also, too, like, I don't think I've ever seen a single, like, and and it's getting closer, but, like, even just, like, even our, even the folks we know that are non-binary, like, sure. who do they have? Who sure. do they have? Right. right? And, like, you know, I I feel like what we've been trying to do is is show that ultimately that doesn't matter. Like, but and yet it does. So it doesn't, doesn't, right. We're, right. we're doing the idea of you're wrong to ignore it. But if you don't think that this person is going to have a human reaction to something, you are doubly wrong. That that there's no model version of of someone. So therefore, we we try to do that. Like, I mean, I think that that's an important thing. The one thing that we do kind of promise you is if there's a white supremacist in our stories, they don't win. As they never Period. should. That's right. As they never should. And actually, and actually, in how in long term, I truly believe this, you know, even though it's rough, because, you know, a dying snake can still bite, but I don't think white supremacy can ultimately live. Its shelf life is, it's numbered. Now it's still deadly and it's still around for all of us, but demographically and also time, not on yeah. the side. That's, that's what, that's, that's my hope. That's my hope too. That we're I in want- the, the waning days. And I'm, well, I, and, and that's, but that's the dangerous part I feel is waning days or, or when pe- when people are desperate and they feel their back is against the wall. Oh yeah, absolutely. Fucked up shit, man. Absolutely. I feel like I feel like Trump is essentially the the Emperor Skeksy dying on his bed and like still like hitting at everybody, including the other Skeksis yep. before he passes. Yep. That's my dark crystal reference for those of you who know. <laughs> for anybody anybody who was born after nineteen eighty six, I sorta am sorry. <laughs> I, I feel like there is a pretty high nerd quotient going with the my listener base. Well, I mean, I was I was a fan of Poplard, so thank you, thank you. So I feel like we're not you're, you're preaching to the choir here, Stephen. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Now let's go back to let's talk about you. Okay, sure. Uh, a, a word that I heard you mention a little earlier that sort of struck me was off. Yeah. Okay. And off can mean a lot of different things. It can mean good things. It can mean bad things. Mm-hmm. What? what mm-hmm. What does off mean in terms of what you are describing yourself as? Oh, okay. Um, a little off. I mean, I think that that can go into the stigma of either mental health itself or just deviating from what the cookie cutter normal that we've all internalized. And, and so we can, I, and I, we can pardon the pun, go both ways with this. <laughs> yep. We can, we can, you know, we can have three options. It's there you go. So, yeah, I mean, just uh, talk about what, what, what that meant to you, as, mm-hmm. particularly as a kid, because I think, yeah. speaking from my own experience, I certainly have always felt off Yeah, and, and, and had to come to terms with it with the help of a lot of things, namely therapy. Oh, but, yep. But uh, what, what was your 
experience like in terms of offness, I guess, or being different or, you know? Yeah, I, I was I was raised by, when I was born, my father was hadn't turned 18 yet. Oh, wow. Yeah, so my parents are, you know, 19 and 18, like years, like older than I am, really. Wow. And so I was a prom baby, essentially. Like, I, I was at the prom, but I didn't come out <laughs> until a few months later. I don't know um, why I'm wowing because my mom had me when she was 19. So yeah. So, you know, yeah, yeah I know you, the deal. We, yeah. We have that. And yeah. they were, they were like up here in New Hampshire, they went to Catholic school and it was like in the, in the seventies, you know? And then, so the next thing was that they, they, we got like some weird tiny small home and because they're, you know, Caucasian in the middle of the woods, you can get a farm loan <laughs> in order to get a house. And okay. Maybe, and then maybe you plant a garden and then you're well within your rights to keep it. And the problem was, was like, you know, they were kids and I started talking before I could walk apparently. And I started reading thanks to my mother before I started kindergarten, which didn't translate well for socialization, I guess <laughs> when I get to kindergarten in like a small town and I was curious about things that children weren't curious about. I, I was, you know, I was small, I was thin and I was quick witted, but with jokes that adults understood, not kids. So not, I'm sure I was a real joy for a lot lot of those boys, boys and girls. And it led me to basically just get really internal. And my father, who I have a decent relationship with now had a hard time reconciling a smart child who understood big words, but was a kid. Mm. So you'd get a lot of shit at school and you get teased and you get picked on. Then you go home you're just trying to freaking unwind and your father is holding you to a standard that someone who should have their first job should. Wow. Have. Okay. In, in what sense? Well, I mean like everything I did was idiotic everything I did was strange and fucked up and weird. And why would you think that? And things like that. Like it was not great. And I stress that who my father is now versus who he was then is it, it, it's another, it's another thing we'll talk about. I, Cause I I'm obsessed with redemption, which is a big thing in our stories. It was extremely unhealthy. And then around 13 or so I had a bully that was incessant and, and like merciless. And it was even more painful because we were pals during the summer because nobody else was around. Mm-hmm. I think he had a crush on me, to tell you the honest truth. That is, that is really, entirely possible. Because he doubled down on, on hating me once we got back into school. And this was not, this is in the early 90s, so pre-Columbine. I had had enough. I was feeling terrible. And I brought a weapon to the school dance. And I got caught. Nothing happened. I got caught. You know, I'm 13. Which got me a trip to a hospital, which then got me further into the system, which then led to me not being not being in my parents' custody for two years. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was in a group home for about 18 months where I learned a lot about trauma. <laughs> and for some people, like, you know, I feel like 
one of the nicest things I try to do is there, you know, there's this sort of that therapy speak that can be helpful and not where it's like, <laughs> don't, don't, don't compare your pain on a scale. Yep. And yet there were people who went through things far worse than what I went through and, or had done things that were frighteningly transgressive to their siblings or strangers. Mm-hmm. And we were all in a house together and trying to learn to deal with our feelings because the next stop could be jail or worse. And my, most of my stuff was internal and reactive. And I, I remember thinking, holy shit, like during that time that like, is this it? Is this my life essentially? And the one positive male role model I had most of my, my whole life was my grandfather. And I remember him saying around the time I was 14, I was on a weekend pass and he was like kind of teary eyed. And he's like, you never had a chance. And that, that I held like, like a knife in the gut for God, 10 years after. And uh, I came out of all of that in soft as a sophomore in high school, became a young cross-dressing punk rocker and then a goth kid who was still loud and angry. I was like, a, I was like, a, I think I was kind of like a, like a, a prettier Chinese crested like dog, <laughs> like, you know, with the weird, like asymmetrical hair and not makeup, <laughs> who was just kind of like, I scared other kids because I, one, the legend around me had grown crazy. Sure. So people who knew of me were spreading rumors when I came out, even though I was just a kid who, yeah, I brought a knife to a dance. I fucked up. Right. And I kind of used that to my advantage and therefore like high school bullying, all that stuff. None of that happened for me because I had found some sort of power, but that power was all in showmanship expression and being a meaner motherfucker than other people. I then went through a period where after all that rage and all that trauma was there though, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I didn't really have any parental guidance before and after. So that led to, you know, a few lost years in my, in my adulthood, like right after high school, I knew not to go to college because I literally had only been in high school for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was like, well, shit, why waste money? Why waste time? I don't even know if I'm going to live to be 22. And again, I, I mean, I was obeying, I was obeying the law, you know, more, you know, more or less, really. I was a teetotaler until I was probably 21. Okay. So like, it wasn't like I was a, I wasn't abusing substances or anything, but like I, I was loud. I was promiscuous as heck, you know, I mean, and I didn't like when people fucked with me. So I, I would get creative, you know, write half musicals about why some guys sucked that I worked with, you know, shit like that. (laughs) But I also surrounded myself with people who were similarly scarred but that becomes a scary echo chamber that can be really toxic. You can wind up defending somebody who was legitimately sexually harassing a bunch of people at work because he was your one friend that you finally met. Right. And as people would get exposed to be more monstrous around me, that gave me a fear that I wound up actually around the time you met me and everything else having severe panic attacks about because for identity, I was starting to heal and become a better person. And I was afraid that some of the monstrous things that a lot of these men that I knew 
had done that I had been friends with, that I felt I co-signed just unconsciously what they had done. I worried, is this within me? And it led to like a, it, it destroyed my first marriage, I feel. And I feel like it also fucked up a lot of friendships that I think were okay, but I was trying to protect myself. And again, I never had a model for how. It doesn't excuse being a dickhead though. <laughs> and I think that that's the thing that everyone needs to take. It's like, I do think that we can look at people with empathy and still say, you fucked up. And like, I make sure to look at where I fucked up. Maybe I look too closely, but that's what therapy's for now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. How do you, like forgiveness and acknowledgement are weird mm -hmm. things. And right. when you're supposed to be, or the narrative is that you're supposed to be stoic and mm -hmm. rigid and, and, and impervious to, to evolution and change. Yeah. How do you, reject all of that and then, you know, become a forgiving, become an empathic, become mm -hmm. a, 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 uh, a fluid, you know, evolving human being. How does right. that, particularly oh. when you don't, you know, like you said, like you didn't, you, you didn't have a chance, like you didn't have people before you to sort of show you what it's like to be this way. I think one of the things that I can be proud of like again like my grandfather actually had a lot of empathy as a human being even when he said dumb stuff he knew if it could hurt somebody he'd want to fix it i mean he was a deep thinker and my grandma was like that too and my mom and dad you know bless them like i think they they have acknowledged where they had gone astray in themselves but i remember very clearly always being aware that if you did wrong and you were and you never thought about it. That was what I was afraid of. Because I feel like the shit we do when we're not thinking can sometimes be the worst. The oh, worst 100%. And I never stopped thinking. And I could actually observe other people getting hurt for bad things. And I would be like, don't do that. Don't be that person. And when someone would ever acknowledge, like whenever somebody could get past the thorniness that I had at one point and be like, you hurt me holy shit, man, I would change completely. Cause like, I was like, I didn't, oh my God. Cause I just thought you were being terrible to me. So I was being defensive, you know, or I thought we were all joking around like that. I had no idea that me laughing all around with this dude, John, when I thought you guys had some sort of kidding around relationship, turned out he was harassing you. I didn't know. And that made me think, holy shit, what other things could I do? And I think that maybe I think the fact that because I knew how people could be hurt because I had been hurt, I've never forgotten other human beings had it. I also never trusted good people. What does that mean? Well, Mike, I never trust anyone who tells me they're a good person <laughs> because anyone who is telling you they're a good person. And I've been guilty of saying it when I'm trying to keep myself from jumping off something. I'm like, I do good things, you know, blah, blah, blah. I still, I still think about, but I'm saying that because I know I've done bad things, but I feel like when people are telling you they're a nice guy, as jazz says, fuck nice. I want kind. <laughs> Amen to that. Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter is nice. <laughs> and he eats people. Yeah. And like, that's the whole point, right? Like right. 
there are people who are nice that, you know, aren't, don't have the best intentions. They're just very well-mannered. And I, I felt like church football don't, team, popularity don't get me contest, started there. <laughs> all that other stuff. And, 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 and I've actually had a total turnaround on faith that I support people who believe that can walk the walk, but I had been raised a Roman Catholic in the North. So I don't have to go far to tell you, you could see the bullshit before they would even talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so for, and, and for me, I used to always watch that and you'd see these Bible thumping people who were just lying or they would using it as an excuse to be shitty to people. And so when we talk about the monster side of things, again, I was reading, you know, Frankenstein, I'm reading, I'm, and I'm like, if that's your society, if that's what's good, fucking count me out because everything you told me is a sin you're doing. And I don't want to do those things. And everything that I need to do in order to be accepted by you means I've got to purposely step on the neck of somebody else. So my big thing was to go after bullies or people I thought had wronged me. The problem is if you do it too well and too effectively and your slights aren't clearly defined, just like top tier shit, you can be, (laughs) you can be fucking terrible. Yes. And then, and then you try to overcompensate. So then you become a total pushover and nobody taught you that that pendulum doesn't need to swing. You can, you can find that mean, you can find that balance and I'm still trying to find it. I feel like I'm close, closer than ever. It barely moves, but geez, man, I, I, I get worried, you know, like I know there's people I've hurt and I, I think that that's also why my art is like that is that you have to put in the work. Like I try to put the work in, in my life, but I also try to focus on people who need to, like, I, I, I try to focus on people who have also seen that. And I, and like redemption's a big theme in my life because I feel like one of the things that we all get, and I don't know if you can relate, but if you survive trauma, like r- real trauma, there's a guilt that comes with it and that you still feel like you kind of earned it in some way. And I think that I kind of, you know, like my past is sometimes that cut in the inside of my mouth. I can't help, but stick my tongue in. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah. I, like, cause I, Oh, go ahead. No, I was saying I, first of all, you are pinging so many. I relate strongly feels with, with mm-hmm. this conversation. And as someone who has, as someone who has been traumatized, and as someone who has to whatever degree traumatized myself, mm. you know, there is a, you know, a lot of stuff going on in your head at any given times, right. at any given time, you know, the redemption arc thing. I, I, I think about it a lot, like the redemption arc thing, the good people thing, the religion mm-hmm. piece, like all of that stuff, 100% applies to me um, and my life as well. So I relate very strongly uh, to what you're saying. And I, I, I mean, I live inside my head a lot. Yeah. And there's always the, am I doing this right? Like, is this what mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be doing? Like, what oh, sure. is the, what, what is my aim here? You know, are certain people forgivable? Are certain people not forgivable? What's the, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a constant game of, I don't know, whatever, uh, playing right. in my head. And sometimes it gets so loud that it's just kind of like, okay, 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 okay. We got to just yeah. take, figure out a way to get all this shit out of my head. And, uh, you know, dealing with that noise is, it, it can be, you know, it can break you. Oh, yeah. You know, actually, the reason why 
when I wanted to do the show, I had actually come out of an episode of a lot of, um, it's been periodically happening because you get exhausted mm-hmm. and there was that self-loathing. There was that shit coming in and that desire to kind of make amends, like almost like a 12 stepper with people that, you know, either have already forgiven me or like we've kind of reached an impasse or it's just, why would I reach out to them? Because really, why do you want to just Kool-Aid man your way in selfishly to be like, Hey, prove to me I'm not bad. Right. I don't need that. Right. And so I, I wanted to take this because I felt like a lot's been happening. And in the world, I think that a lot of folks too need to, and men especially need to be able to own their shit and, and not be like, okay, it's done. Slap your hands. Let's get moving. But be like, no, you're right. You know, I think that we can be better and you don't sound like, you know, like the right would call you like some beta cuck asshole, you know, like <laughs> some like weak man that the alphas need to get, you know, like that's not it. Like it's the idea of if you really want to be centered in your masculinity and not be some like, you know, coded language, predatory self-deluded ass you need to really fucking take stock of what you're doing and you also have to kind of sometimes take that boulder off your chest and be like you know what in my present here's what i'm doing and here's what i where i've been here's what i'm doing here's where i plan to go and just keep trying to be better it's like awesome practice it's like whether you're learning an instrument or whether you're you know learning it and you know I'm going to give you my hick. Like, God, I'm so much more hicky than when you and I met, like <laughs> from the beard and everything. So first off, I moved back to New Hampshire and all, right. all, all that towny stuff, even being a weird, a weirdo, it just comes back to you. But I was going to say one of the other things I would say, practicing, whether it's like music, whether it's your art, whether it's shooting. <laughs> I mean, like the idea is that you, 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 in order to improve, you have to put in the work and, Unlike riding a bike, although that's debatable. It um, is. Yes, I can. I can prove that it doesn't ah! come back to you. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, some people can't ride a bike again after like a decade and like, but, but for me, I, I'm not satisfied with who I am, but I've tried to turn that instead of a way to pick at the scabs or, or, or scratch at the scars of, of what came before, try to figure out a way to just really help as many people but with sincerity not because i'm trying to read this but like stop carrying it like i oh i don't deserve this so therefore i have to give or i don't do this but like like not martyrdom but instead trying to be just trying to be try to be the person that i probably would have been had things been different and not deny who i am not try to fucking hide it but just be like yeah okay that did happen if there's something that fucked with you, let's, let's please work it out. Work it out. Yeah. Uh, if you don't want to forgive me, that's okay. That's your right. But also, you know, luckily, you know, we're not talking, we're not talking felonious crimes and we're not talking about trespasses that, you know, but, but, uh, and, but there's even stuff to be said for those folks. I think yeah. that they can, they can work their way to something else. Yeah. I think everyone can until you die, but holy crap yeah like i think about that all the time and like i just i'd like to be a good neighbor (laughs) i'd like to be the guy that you could i like it for me because also i like to connect with human beings as much as they fucked with me i haven't given up on them and i don't think 
I haven't given up on it yet. And some people completely check out, but I don't, I think a lot of my anger is gone. Um, not the righteous anger for the shit that's happened in the streets right now. That sure. is never going to go away. But I think that a poor me type anger that then can turn into a bitter hatred of stuff. That's gone. I I don't want that. I, I disavow it. Instead, I think it's more important to, you know, deal with pain as it actually is and then allow myself to get angry about righteous things, but make sure that that outlet is, you know, a correct action. And, you know, it sounds like I'm holding in the Hulk, but I'm not. <laughs> One day I opened the door because I thought, what's that monster? And I opened it up and there was nothing there. And that took years of therapy to do. And holy shit, you know, like I wish I had done it earlier. I wish I had found a therapist I could trust better than the one I have right now. It took a lot of work. And it also, I had to be willing to, to, to just try to look at things that I've been afraid to face forever. And I, and, and you know, for people I've fought because my ego was in the way or like I was insecure because I still felt like one day people were going to find out I was the scary fucking thing. They, no, they found out what was actually happening. And there are people in my life who I have apologized to for things where I have heard, no, you were in the right. I, you know, you might've pissed me off, but I don't really think about that. And I'm like, Oh shit. What's my problem? What's my problem? You know, like, but, but I think that's it. I think that you get told something's fucked up in you for too long. You'll believe it. Sure. Absolutely. And I, and I think we forget that. I think we forget how powerful that is. And for some people, they either internalize it, they get victimized or worse. They actually could become like the Frankenstein's monster and be like, yeah, I murdered your wife. Right. And then I'm like, "Mm." and like, I, I, and I think that I carried a lot of shame on the fact of being a a teen kid who, who was ready to defend myself violently and final and, 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 and drastically after, after, after months. And I don't think that guy's listening right now. I won't say his name, but if he (laughs) did ever hear this, he knows who he is and you're welcome. I forgive you. I hope that your drywalling business is going fine. (laughs) I hope you don't wear a red hat because now I get to hate you for another reason. Yeah. (laughs) I really, yeah. I mean, I hope no one wears a red hat, but you know, yeah. Hope hope springs eternal. Well, we see those more up here. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've only been to rural New Hampshire once in my life. And I remember like getting out of the car and I was like, yeah. Whoa. Oh, we're we're in the capital city now. Actually, we moved are you? A month okay. Ago. Yeah. All right. And it's it's great. So Jazz and I have two kids, and they're Jazzes from from their first marriage. Sure. And and so like I'm the I'm the I'm the one I'm the one white person in our house. <laughs> and I say it like that only because like one of the things that I don't want to do is, and with all apologies to Michael Rappaport, I don't want to be the Michael Rappaport of this relationship who suddenly sure. seems that he's blacker than he really is. Yes. And I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that Michael Rappaport hasn't done good things, but oh man, dude, you I'm know, younger than him. So that's why yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I mean, but you know what? I, I, you know, I grew up in New York. I know a lot of people like Michael Rappaport. Yeah. And I don't doubt that he comes from a sincere place that I agree with 
A hundred percent. I just feel like he's putting it on a little too, like there's a little too much mustard on that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't, I, I think that his bona fides for the good things that he's actually done are very real. And I think that he tells off the right people, but you know, what the fuck, man, I don't know what Michael Rappaport went through when he was younger. Sure. You know, you know, I don't know. I don't know what mean things people said. All I know. Is oh, I'm sure there were plenty, but, but, I, but I'm going to say that, yeah, there are some missteps. And I think that maybe that's just because the world moves on for all, for all of us. Like there's going to be things that I say right now that are going to seem particularly enlightening that five years from now, you're like, oh, I can't believe I said that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. The same way. I mean, there are tweets of mine from five or seven years ago. I'm just like, Ooh, I said that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like there, there were things that I was always just like, did that come off kind of, you know, like just intolerant and weird. Oh, there is one thing that always fucked with me. And this is really, really funny. (laughs) Okay. All right. So growing up super white, New Hampshire, actual organized racists in the family. Also like skinheads were a thing in the late nineties. Right. Okay. But, But I'm dressed up as like a goth prom queen. A good friend of mine is like almost full blooded native American hanging out with me. We have like a little coalition of stuff. And so I used to think that ironic racism to make fun of these people who are racist was funny. And then years went by and like, I realized that that type of parody when you're in a small area, all that's doing is giving license to people in the same small area. To no, one the the, no one gets the, no one gets the irony. Mean it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, how, uh, but also I use the word irony and I'm talking to people at three in the morning in a Denny's that are there every night. That's not going to work. Probably like it, not. Like, like, like not it's to not, judge, you know, and, 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 and I love Denny's folk, man, but I'm saying that there's a limit to stuff that we can do. And I think about stuff like that and I'm like, you know, not so great, <laughs> you know, like, and, and like, I, and, and, and also what I thought was really funny was then when we talk about sexuality, cause like I have been, I think as a lot of people in, in my position are, is that, and you can do this when you're a white dude is you can be like, it's none of your fucking business, blah, blah, blah. Like, and it's awesome. Right. But I was out to my friends. I was never out to my family and I still don't really telegraph it. But when the national coming out day came out last year, I had the pansexual flag as my thing. And all I just wrote is I've never hit it, but I've never said it because I didn't feel like it mattered. But right now, especially after 2016, it fucking does. Yeah, it does matter. Absolutely. And, and like the idea of me just kind of being silent and actually like acting like, oh, oh, oh titties forever. No, it doesn't really. It's, it's not who I've been. And also, it's not that I want cover or anything like some sort of bonafide. That's not it at all. It's me trying to say that there are plenty of people who have never been honest about who they are because they're worried of either ridicule or for that reason. And if I'm already standing out anyway, and I don't gain anything from it, you know? And also I'm in a relationship. Like none of these things matter except for the fact that to another closeted person or to another person who's passing because they're hoping that, you know, the red hats won't notice them. Right. Dude, they fucking notice you. Like, like, I mean, like, I'm right. sorry. Like, if you're not with them, uh, like, if you're not with them, all that means is you'll be, like, second to last. Right, right. And if you're with them, you'll you'll be found out and you'll be last. Like, the idea is just, like, you have to show the numbers, you know? When we talk about how, uh, and I think that when we talked about off, 
everyone is off. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely and, right. And I, and I feel like that maybe it's time to show everybody what's on. And like the fact is, is we all have these weird experiences that have formed us. And if we're harming no one and, you know, enthusiastic consent for adults is all up there, then I don't give a shit. You put it in there. Yeah, I agree with you. Hooray. I think (laughs) my, the last few years, my Mm -hmm. sort of thought process has always been like, the people who can pass are the ones that need to speak the loudest. I think you're right. Because if someone is queer and they present very obviously as queer, Mm -hmm. they are taking the brunt of whatever shit there is for the more of us. And I think there are more of us Mm -hmm. who can kind of put that shit in our pocket and walk around day to day and have the assumption for most people that we're not queer. Right. And it would never come up. Right. Like, and, and and I think that also it's imperative for, and I'm going to speak to a part of a demographic of your audience that really should get this and, and bring it home. As a white man, I am telling all other white men who listen, you do know that you've been in positions where we've been alone and there are jokes and asides that we get about anybody. Mm-hmm. And you better know your fucking price because if they are if you're being put in a position to te- to agree through silence about something, we, we have done our tribe wrong. We've done humanity a huge disservice. It amazes me. The cracks are here and you know, they'll try to tell you they're not being serious. If you, if you question them on it, but trust me, dude, they are, they wanted to fight. They're feeling you out while you're alone, you know, can't we find a place to just be guys? Sure. Suck my dick. Right. What you meant? Oh, that's not what you meant. What, you mean, you mean hate on people who are different. Oh yeah. No, you can't find that place. Not here. But <laughs> like, what, like, like, what, like, what bugs me out is how many of those people. No, that's it's what bugs me out is the amount of people that would actually, that would actually want to suck your dick. Oh, uh, no, just, no just, but you're right. No, yeah. you're right. I see, I see, I see your point actually. It's, it's, it's wisely put, but I mean like my, my, but like, but I feel that that's men feel under assault. Like where can we go to just be men? But I think that the, the real question to about where can we go to just be men is why is this part where we have to secretly work shit out is because you were fucking taught wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you finally were smart enough to realize that, you know, even if you got there with that's somebody's daughter or wife or mom, but like, no, you, you, what you're telling me is you're getting tired because you've realized that you have impulses that you don't understand. And women are taught. And I think that also, you know, people of color are taught rules in dealing with society and you know, people who look like me are the reason those rules exist. Yeah. You know, don't dress like this. It's universal for almost any marginalized group. You know, don't go to this neighborhood. Don't do X, Y, and don't trust the police. <laughs> like, like all these things. Right. But nobody's telling a boy coming up in, in the woods who sunburns like in two seconds, they're not saying, 
they're not saying they'll tell his sister no one has the right to touch you but very rarely do they say you don't have the right to touch anybody you don't have the right to slap a girl playfully on the ass and although all the boys think it's funny and you're laughing right now that girl's gonna be like that girl might laugh it off because again there i'm sure there's there's also women who are like ah, i'm not a victim and that's awesome Great. Maybe, or maybe you liked it. And maybe we, we we're going to read your weird Reddit slut confession one day. And that's awesome. <laughs> you know, more power to you. If that, if that changed your life in a positive way, I don't think it did, but mm, probably, probably not. Know, like I, who the hell am I? Except a guy who just is trying to say we could actually literally fix shit in a generation. And I think that the kids coming up now, the, the young adults now, even those men, there's actually some fucking tough fucking dudes who are like, no, you know, if, it, if, if, if somebody is even freezing or feels kind of weird, they have no right that yeah, I'm going to leave them alone. And the fact that I'm beginning to hear shit like that more often, that gives me hope, but I, I don't want people to learn that in college. I'd like, I'd like kids to be told in their health class, your body's going through changes and shit's happening. There's our two. They also feel weird. Don't add to that weirdness they don't need your shit you know like like that, right. that i feel i feel like we could do that we could do boys a better favor like i feel like this like a re-envisioning of a type of scout program where it's like okay we're gonna teach you how to do all these fucking things and we're gonna let you know that you know if you get upset about something there's like a million other things you got to do besides just you know f- find a queer and beat them because like honestly that is just stupid it's it's pointless it does I, nothing i don't know i just always i think it's projection all the time and maybe uh, that's just we, my uh, i think that uh, i think it's a matter of a fetish a fetishization of strength is that we 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 want we're taught and so like some of it's projection like i think some people who act out it's projection i think some of it i think some of hate sometimes hate like, you know, like a lot of the, like the, the crimes against, you know, that are racial or sexual. It's about realizing how weak and how useless and shitty you feel about yourself. And then you see somebody just living their life and you don't know what they feel inside, but how fucking dare they live their life right now? Because that threatens you because you don't feel you're living your life. And so now you got to do something about it. You know, they're taking away our jobs. They're taking away my life. I can't trust myself in the bathroom. You know what, what, whatever that means, you know, all of these things, sometimes it's projection. And sometimes it's the idea that I suck so bad that like, I, I don't think I've ever really outside of people who are certifiable on the psycho psychopathy scale, who's, puffed up arrogance isn't the result of some inferiority complex. Like I've yet to meet, I've yet to meet a white separatist that doesn't have some bizarre feelings of inadequacy. I haven't, you know, like, isn't that, isn't that projection also in and of itself? It's kind of like, yeah, I think that's true. It's like you have this life that I wish I had. You're confident in yourself and you mm-hmm. know yourself and all this stuff. And I don't. So I'm going to lessen you to yeah, bring you true. down to my level and make yeah, I, me feel better. You know what? 
you know what? Yeah, you're, you're understanding this way better than me. I think that that's, I think that's <laughs> yeah. true. I think that's true. And like, and you know, like, again, like, I, I think that people can get themselves out of the fallacies of white supremacy. I think that misogyny can be unlearned without you becoming a pussy and like all the stuff that people say. Like, I think that the truth is, is that there are people that some of these alpha male weirdos look up to who were like queer, who were pretty moral and did some badass things. Yeah. Like, you know, let's not forget Mr. Rogers served in the goddamn military. That's right. Okay. Like, like that, like people should think about that. He was an anti-Semite Roald Dahl who wrote, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Cause of course everyone has to be problematic. <laughs> yeah, everyone. But, but the man who wrote all those children's stories was also a spy who specifically like, you know, screwed up Hitler plans. So like, that, like a lot of weird masculinity tropes that people try to look at, there's people who are really super like strong who didn't have to victimize and punch down to prove how strong they were. And I feel like we need to reclaim some of those people and their warts, especially if they claim their warts. And those are people who need statues, you know? I mean, I think Jim Henson was pretty awesome. So do I. You know, I feel like I would love a statue of him. I I would love a statue of Jim Henson. Yeah. Get on it, people. <laughs> I mean, it, it. You know what it reminds me of? It remind. It's why so many people love Eminem. Oh, okay. He punches down. He always punches down and has this kind of like alpha male, mm-hmm. you know, sort of homophobic, uh, misogynist for sure. Just like okay. this, this ethos, and it's just people get their jollies because he goes after you know, he goes after people who probably are not going to fight back. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I, that's, that's a problem that I've long had with, with him. I think Um, I can see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. But that, that's what you described in a nutshell, you know, somebody who's, you know, coming across like he has the fucking biggest balls in the world and he's super alpha male, but you know, he's not going to, he's not going to punch up and he's rarely going to punch across. So like his, like, so, well, maybe that's probably why his Trump freestyle didn't really land. Right. He's not used to going after somebody who's bigger than him. Yeah. 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 He's like, but if it was a backstreet boy, he's on it. Right. If it was a backstreet boy or NSYNC or Christina Aguilera or his ex-wife or, you know, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I know for me, I always thought punching up was awesome. I thought it was great. You know, like, I, I, I love that stuff. I love, I love underdog stories. I think that one of the things people need to reclaim for anybody left of center, which means basically center right and further left. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let's be honest, the Overton window is way too far. <laughs> but somebody who's like, hey, is also now a leftist apparently but like the underdog story the narrative if you've noticed the people who are trying to act like they're being oppressed currently have their dude in the white house right it's true yeah they control one house they've got a bunch of 
governorships, all that stuff. And they act, they're like, Oh, it's so hard. It's not so hard. You're in charge and you don't know what the fuck to do. Do Right. So you're, you're pretending to be both the rebel and the society. And then all the other people who are like, kind of like, what do we do? The answer is like, well, just reclaim the fact that we are the underdogs. It might actually help us unify a little bit. And I mean, I've gone to, I've gone to only two rallies in the past couple months because of COVID jazz has been to three. One of them, somebody pulled a gun on the crowd. Jesus. And the, the one thing I've noticed is that, you know, we're not hearing a lot about the protests that are still going on, but that's because people are not stopping. And because the people who are like, Oh, poor us, we're in the moment. They, they now have to deal with the fact that we're out there all the time. Now I hope it continues. I hope it continues to November. I think it will. Yeah. And you know what I hope it also does? I hope it continues to January 21st when we swear in Biden and then probably March 29th when we swear in whoever the VP is because Biden's very old. I mean, like, you know, like that. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, I've been telling people. If Abrams, I'm like, you can leave like the moment. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I've been telling people, you know, one reason I think that this, this movement is going to have legs is because we have the election coming up and then we have the inauguration and then all of these people are going to go on trial. You think so? I don't think so. I mean, if they're if charges are being pressed, you know, I think that I think they've been undoing that, and I think I feel like one of the things we have to, if you want those charges to happen, that's why people have to keep moving past the election, because the truth is is that there will be a cop out from a lot of people who are finally agreeing with us, who will be like, we got to just let this go to let the nation heal. I know that sounds fucked up and there'll be riots because of it. Yes. But you could see like, so I worked with Joe Biden's like office when I, when I was working in nonprofit a couple of years ago because of brain cancer. And one of the things that Joe Biden was known for, besides the whole sniffing thing, that's now all the rage. But uh, like, so like there's all these videos. I don't know if you've seen them on the right where they basically are trying to insinuate that Joe Biden is in fact a, a sex offender. And like, there is that, you know, accusation from from a former aide as well right and and so like the, all of that i take very seriously and i'm considering you know like i just want to say that but one of the things he was also known for like the real stuff he was known for that's a positive was that he could work across the aisle all the time he was very bipartisan you know he gave the eulogy for strom thurmond right not yeah uh, not one of his shining moments yeah yeah but but he's known as a guy who tries to get things going. But one of the things that he does to try to get things going is he gives ground. And we gave ground consistently. Unlike the Obama administration, there's a lot of things that the left voted for, like, or, or, or did not challenge with the same fervor as Obama wearing a brown suit, you know? Mitch McConnell coming out the second year Obama was elected. We're going to make sure he's a one-term president. Couldn't do that, but they stopped everything from mm-hmm. ju- judge selections to like law because, because affordable care went through. Now, do I think that, you know, Joe Biden is going to be able to successfully, you know, stop some bleeding for a while? Yeah. But do I think that he'll use, the wrong type of stitch on the wound <laughs> Probably. and it's going to be somebody's problem in two years. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 
And I, oh, damn, I'm sorry, Mike. I'm just like, <laughs> thinking about it. And like, I, I don't want to discourage anybody. We got to get Trump out. Do I think that, uh, but, but, you know, the Southern District of New York, we just lost the guy who would be running that prosecution. You know, they fired him. Yep. And my question is, how do you do all that successfully without riling the guys who currently patrol the streets in my city? on on the 4th of July with a rifle on their back how do you get them to not suddenly start blasting the Hulk Hogan I'm a real american and going out and trying to pretend it's fucking rambo time right right and like but what you're saying about like there will be accountability i think some people are going to go down because if the one thing that trump is really good at is throwing human meat shields at his problem oh yeah everybody goes under the bus so maybe Trump won't be gotten right away. So, so like on the optimistic side, what I hope is going to happen is people like, you know, his, his speech writers and his, his enablers, their lives will be ruined because they backed this gross person. But what we also have to remember is there are people who voted for this gross person who also were gross. Yeah. And we have to, and we have to be aware that these people are, some of them are, some of them, even though you might not know it, are your neighbors. Some are your neighbors, which is like, what? but they are. Yeah. And, and, and they're going to come out of this. And one of the things they're going to say is, okay, fine. Can we all go back to normal? Fine. You guys win. Enjoy it. Nope. No, nope. no, because like, it wasn't were, good. No. And I think that, so, so, so I think that what I find actually heartening and, and I know like I brought the mood down is you hearing you say that you believe that there's going to be accountability and things like that. I'm, I actually like that does give me hope. I hope it does give me hope, but I do think that it means that we all have to be loud and we have to be crazy about it. We have to be fervent and, you know, we're going to have to start pushing on like the Southern district of New York after, after January and be like, all right, do this. And if the president tells you, if, if president Biden tells you to lay off, you don't work for him. You work for right. us. You do it anyway. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Go after bar first. You know, like my, fa- like my father, bless him, understands that black lives matter and it's good. You know, he's a grand, he's a grandparent to black kids. My mom went to the rally for black trans lives matter two weeks ago with us. Her jazz speak, all this wonderful, but there's a limit because they still have their white conservative friends. So they're worried. <laughs> And I think that the, the, there has to be a way to bring those people around, around and we're going to have to deal with those hurt feelings and also at the same time be like, okay, but now's your chance. If you're really not like those guys, you can't support those guys. You got to right. just take them out. That's right. It's, it's time, you know, bring on Monsieur Guillotine or was the Guillotine feminine? I don't know. Was it? Was you know it? what? The guillotine can be. You are more well read than ha- I am. Yes. Yeah. You, you know what? Whatever pronoun the guillotine, the guillotine wants, chooses. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let, let them have it and choppy choppy. That is the way it should be. <laughs> that is the way it should be. And I'm, I'm not saying, I don't know if I necessarily have hope, but I mm. do feel like if things do not happen a certain way, shit's going to burn. Oh, so you're saying like, if we do not get answers. Right then the streets will be on fire anyway. Yeah. Well, that's that I, I, I do. I have a feeling that up here, for example, 
and again like this i'm steven's anti-white i should say that i'm not actually i can't be look at me i'm translucent you are fairly white steven i'm very white the color on my skin is the sunburn i'm getting from the lamp that's that's (laughs) illuminating me i am a dracula as my family calls me oh gosh and with that said there there's a small percentage of people um who want to be militia who want to do that who 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 i who are talking and threatening to pop off if it, if it doesn't go their way, but they're also threatening to pop off if it does. And how can you be anti-government and then pro the head of this government? Because it, it, that tells me that your argument's not about, it's not about tyranny. It's about making sure that when we play shirts and skins, that your team wins. And I, and I'm, I'm not about that. I think it's dumb. Damn right. And like, you know, you know, like uh, the whole Epstein thing, like people keep mentioning Clinton and all the memes and Trump also has seen him, but then people like, you know, my dad had made some comment, like people trying to draw the line to Trump. I'm like, well, first off, they don't have to draw the line. Yeah. I was like, but, but what I wanted, but, but what I told him and he granted the point is it doesn't have to be either or you do understand perversion and abuse knows no party it doesn't they people want to pretend but that's not how it works so you sound and i told him you sound like a clinton apologist but for trump and he was like oh shit yeah and i was like and that's how i got through you know like he doesn't like trump either but he he's he's very anti-clinton like most white people from Hashtag Clinton body count, hashtag lizard truth. But, but like, but to explain, and then I said, it's like, don't forget one of the bigger donors in New York to Hillary Clinton's campaign was Donald J. Trump. Cause she was wonderful until he went against her Yep. until she had something he wanted. So he's a weird, he's a weird, gross old pervert. And I, and like, you know, again, another thing for being white, and I know I'm like talking way too much, but like, no. I don't know if you noticed, but you should look at stills of Fox News pundits over the past three years. All the men have started getting spray tans. I'm serious. Like Sean Hannity is orange now. Tucker Carlson <laughs> is tan in the winter. And, and that dude is like pasty fucking white like me. But 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 actually, to be fair, Tucker is white. Ah, white. Yes, white. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, That's correct. He, he's like he's salt. He he's like you know a watercress cracker. We must differentiate am... between white and white. Yes, yes, white. Yes. We, we, Jazz and I do a thing called hot sauce and mayo. We do like a Facebook live where we where we do like multiracial talks and like just try to have fun with each other. And we 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 did a a game where we talked about stereotypes that people might have about us that we have no idea what, why the fuck they exist. Cause like in our personal experience, we haven't done it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there was one where I had explained, like, I don't think I ever wore a pair of khakis in my life. I don't, I don't like, I don't own them. And but I've you're like a, a goth. Right. Dude, and I've never, dude, and so I've never yeah. had a, yeah, but I'm, but, but now I'm like a white masculine adult. You know what I mean? Like I, there's nothing androgynous anymore. So like, people could think, Oh, maybe he's, you know, like, I was like, like, I was like, I've never gone golfing. 
you know, I've never done this and never done that. And then like, she's laughing. And then I said something like, I've never summered anywhere. I don't know what that means. And she's like, but it's very white. I mean, no, that's white. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm, I'm more like white, like as in, why is this white trash here? And like, and, and I know that, but at the same time, like, you know, that's, that, that's the funny part though, is that if I, I'm just a shave and a haircut and a different suit away from, 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 from and a tiki torch yep. from, 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 from what scene is respectable on one side. For real. Um, and I can constantly do that. Like the, the cool, the, 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 the superpower of, of, of white men is that we can, we can blend in with other white men and be any type of white man. But, but everybody else that isn't like that. Nope. What right. you've done your entire life will carry with you. Like we talked about what, what I went through as a kid. Nobody at work really knows that story. They might now if they find this, but whatever. But like the idea is that they never needed to, and it would never matter. Sure. But, but if, but, but if, had that been me, would, had that been you, that would follow you your entire, entire life. life. They wouldn't, yeah. they wouldn't, they wouldn't seal your record. Probably they, and even if they did, they'd still keep coming after you because of it. And, and I think about that a lot because I'm just like, man, I can seriously like hide. And I, and I think that, you know, I finally got what younger folks in their college were talking about of, you know, disavowing your privilege is that I've had to purposely take off that, that white camouflage and be like, no, I'm not with you. And I'm really excited not to be. (laughs) It's it's so true though. It's so true. People, you know, you're welcome. You're, you're invited to the party. Yeah. Regardless of what your background is. I, I, yeah, I, I, I was, I was somehow led into the cookout and I did not bring raisins in my potato salad. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) And I, and, 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 you know, maybe I might do something fucked up and bring like stuff with like sriracha in it and they'll be like, "Eh." I like sriracha. Okay, good. But like, I I mean, I've got weird ideas about food, but like, (laughs) but, 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 but not, but I, but I, but I'll leave the mayo at home. (laughs) What do you suggest just in terms of like getting people to get their shit together, like getting people to communicate properly and fucking Mm -hmm. have feelings and understand things about themselves and not be afraid of confrontation and forgive and all of that stuff that people who are evolved should be doing avoid convenient little lies to people you care about, not because they're covering something up, but because you just want to kind of have a decent moment. Explain that. You know, like when people kind of like bullshit, like bullshit stories, like where like you'd be like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, like maybe you just walked and somebody gave you a dirty look. Like when you're like on the street. Sure. And then you're like, and so like I said, like internally you said, but then like maybe without you thinking you're like, and then I said this. Right. Right. You didn't say that. It's okay. You can just, you can just make fun of the situation. Don't yeah. yeah it, it, so that was a weird thing. Like, and I, and I, I think I learned that because like I had a lot of friends who bullshitted and you know, I think I've been guilty of bullshitting. Like when I was, growing I think up. we all have. Yeah. I think we all have, but I'm saying like, take the risk when you, if you ever are one of those people who feels that take the risk to just tell the truth on something, even if it makes you, you're worried it might make you look weak, stupid, or silly. Cause it's not, it's going to make you relatable to your friends. And if somebody gives you shit for it, don't be like Bill Maher or Steve Martin who can't laugh at themselves and like, you know, go on a tear and a tantrum. 
laugh it off. Cause like it, by showing your actual like warts and all, you actually become funnier. You actually become realer. And by admitting that stuff, you might actually be braver when somebody says something stupid and then you might actually have a real story. Right. Don't just be off, like practice being authentic with yourself when you're in pro when you're private is another thing. Like let yourself feel the shit you feel. Don't fucking worry about it. It's okay. Is there are safe environments for all of it. And if you don't feel safe, it's okay to fucking tell somebody that warning sign, like try to find a friend that you know where you can say, <laughs> look, look, I legitimately feel shitty and it'll pass. Even if you know it'll pass, you can just be like, look, this will probably pass, but you, I feel this weird fucked up thing. Can I talk about it? I learned that that works. It really does. And, and it's less work for my therapist, but also if it's, what is it that Fred Rogers says? That's the big one. If it's mentionable, it's manageable. I've never heard that before, but that that's worthy. Yeah. So if you, if, if the, sometimes the hardest thing is to vocalize what you're internalized. And if you can actually do it, sometimes even as you're saying it, it doesn't feel the same because if you, if you search for the words and it turns out that, yeah, okay. Everyone feels that way. You know, you can feel a little silly. That's fine. But at the same time, somebody might actually like be like, wow, I've never heard it or I didn't know. And it could actually lead you from letting that fester inside yourself. Let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Release yourself. Free yourself. And that inner voice who tells you that you ain't shit, you don't have to tell it to shut up. You can just be like, okay, let's see why you think that. Because I'm currently doing this, you know, like, and then, and, you know, it's a funny thing. Because sometimes that voice, you can kind of trick it into actually making something perfect. I want to thank Stephen for being a voice of light and for not bringing raisins to the potato salad. R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. His journey is incredible and hopefully will provide some light to people out there going through tough patches as teenagers and young adults. For someone to go from you never had a chance to affecting real change through his work is big and I congratulate and honor him for it. You can find Whichever Path podcast, which he does with his partner Jazz, at whichoverpath.com. The which part is spelled W-I-T-C-H, so I guess I should now spell the whole thing out. It is W-I-T-C-H-E-V-E-R-P-A-T-H dot com. You can find the podcast on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and Spotify and most other places podcasts exist. You can also follow Stephen on the socials. He is on Twitter at Stephen LaFond, S-T-E-V-E-N-L-A-F-O-N-D. I am also on the socials, by the way. Uh, it's Mike Joseph on Instagram, Tis Mike Joseph on Twitter. And uh, if you want to email me, you can do so at detoxpod at gmail.com. Feedback is always welcome. Positive feedback, negative feedback, as long as it's constructive. And if you want to be on the show, if you're listening to this live, or rather listening to this uh, when it premieres in October 2020, I'm actually not recording any new episodes for the rest of 2020 because I have a particularly large backlog. But if you want to get down and record a show at the top of 2021, I am here. So hit me up, detoxpod at gmail.com or DM me on socials. So the goal, well, not the goal. One thing I've been trying to do with Detox Pod every week is promote a specific charity at the end of every show. 
We've got about four weeks left until the 2020 election in the U.S., November 3rd. And this is a very, very important election for reasons I am sure you all know about. I hope that you all know about if you are listening to this. I urge you, if you can, please donate. Whether you are donating to your specific uh, voting site, donating your time, um, or you are donating money to a specific race, uh, the presidential race obviously is very important. And there are some Senate races that are leaning, uh, leaning Democrat, and we have a chance to flip. And please pay attention to those races and donate if you can. And the states where that is happening uh, include Arizona, uh, Colorado, uh, Georgia is a toss-up, Iowa is a toss-up, um, Maine, which is really important, North Carolina. So if you can donate to any of those, please do. And um, you can also donate to Vote Save America, uh, actblue.com. There are tons of charities that you can um, donate to. I want to, because I forget to shout them out, I want to shout out Calvin Williams for doing the theme to the show, the beginning and the ending theme. Uh, thank you, Calvin. If you'd like to follow Calvin on socials, he is at CCWII. And I urge you to listen to his radio show, Lush Vibes Radio, which is on Radio Free Brooklyn every Tuesday night starting at 11 p.m. And I want to give a shout out to Jacob Block for uh, designing the logo. Jacob Block uh, is a name you should be familiar with if you're a regular listener of the show. We have interviewed not only his brother, Matt Block, on the show. We've interviewed his dad, Dr. Daniel Block. And we have interviewed several artists on his label, Law Reserve Records. So big shout out to you, Jake. And... Uh, Everybody, please vote. As always, I wish you continued health and safety. Thank you for supporting and listening to Detoxicity. As I often forget to say at the beginning of the show, I'm Mike Joseph, and I will talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.